0: Reading aloud is a powerful way to engage children in the literacy process. Now, this experience increases students' vocabulary development and their comprehension growth. This practice also increases motivation and the willingness to want to read, even if it is through listening and engaging with the text that someone else is reading to them. Reading aloud to children builds and supports their listening and their speaking abilities, and it enhances their overall language development, so read-alouds are crucial. But what are the best practices when it comes to planning for this read-aloud experience? Today's episode is going to share four best practice tips when planning for your read-aloud. But before I dive in, I want to share an opportunity to support your students through quick and meaningful writing exercises. Writing Made Simple is a membership designed to provide students with creative writing routines that will help them work on different writing skills without them even realizing that they're working on them. You can join Writing Made Simple as a monthly or annual member. And to learn more information, head to theliteracydive.com slash join. But for now, let's dive into these four best practice tips for executing a successful read aloud experience. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Literacy Dive Podcast. I am thrilled that you are here today, and we are kicking off a new series that's surrounded around the read-aloud. So this is episode 106. I still can't even believe it. And if you have been around since the beginning, thank you, thank you, thank you for still supporting me and listening to this podcast. And if you are new, welcome to the Literacy Dive. I get so excited chatting about literacy, and I have a bank of episodes that are waiting for you to take a deep dive into whenever you get some free time. Now, when it comes to the read aloud... The read-aloud process has many benefits to literacy learning, and this instructional practice is where teachers, parents, or other grown-ups get to read text aloud to children. Now, during this time, the reader incorporates variations in pitch, in pace, in volume, in tone... The reader would pause at appropriate places. They would practice making eye contact, questions, comments, all to produce a fluent and enjoyable delivery of this text to an audience. Now, if you are not prioritizing read-alouds or if you are not maximizing the time that you have currently to incorporate them, this is a great starting point for you. Begin this whole group instruction with your students. You will select your text, and don't worry, I have an upcoming episode to help with this. But you're going to select your text, and you're just going to get started. Now, I'm going to share four best practice tips for this time that you are going to have with your students, and these four tips are centered around time, the text, your audience, and discussion. Best practice tip number one is to plan enough time. Now this is going to be planning enough time for each of your read aloud sessions. So typically, now this is going to be give or take, you will want to allot about 15, 10 to 15 minutes for your read aloud, but no longer than 20 minutes for that read aloud time. You are going to want to do this because not only are you gonna want to deliver a successful read aloud time for your students, but you're going to wanna give yourself and your students enough time To get through the text that you want to get through it, you want to give enough time to enjoy it, you don't want that time to be rushed, and you want to have time to discuss the story, the poem, the informational text, whatever genre you're reading. You want this time to be explicit and you want to make sure that you are very clear with the teaching point connected to your read aloud. So you don't want this time to be rushed together. So you want to make sure that you have enough time within your schedule to do this effective read aloud. You also want to build in this time for your students to respond along the way of you doing this read aloud. Now, this means allowing time for your students to study the pictures if you're reading a picture book, allowing them to actually look at the picture and identify what's going on in that scene. You want to allow them to make comments whenever appropriate. You want to ask questions about the story, and you want to hear enough responses to where there is a really great dialogue happening in your classroom. This means that you might have to determine what portion of the book you're going to read in a single setting because you need to make sure that you have this built-in time. So planning enough time for this session is going to be best practice number one, You can't just pick up a book and squeeze it in in the five-minute chunk of time that you have in between transitions. You want this to be its own time, giving it about 15 or so minutes, give or take five on each end, for this to happen. Best practice tip number two is going to be to preview and to introduce the book. Now, previewing the book before you read it with your students is going to be so necessary for a few reasons. Well, one, you can be able to anticipate the questions that you want to ask to your students. You can also anticipate at what parts of that book your students are going to react or give emotion based on whatever it is that you've read. This is also really important because depending on what reading skills or strategies you're working on, you can be able to make sure that there is a clear alignment so that when you're reading this text, you can very very beautifully illustrate that skill or that strategy for your students. So to do this, you would want to practice reading the book through before you ever bring it to your students. You want to do that because you need to make the decision of where you're going to pause for emphasis or where you're going to pause and elicit questions or predictions or have your students making inferences. You also want to think about at what point of the book do you want to really take the time to gain those reactions from your students. If you know those places ahead of time, it's going to help with the effectiveness, the flow, and the management of your read aloud time with your students. Now, scanning for appropriateness is also going to be a benefit of reading this book ahead of time, previewing the text. Now, I'm just going to ask a question here, and I want you to be honest with yourself. How many times have we been caught reading or saying something that we will have to explain to parents later on? I know I've been guilty of that. And that came as a result of me not previewing the book. So you can avoid having to have those tough conversations or having to say something that you might have to clean up later if you scan before you sit down to read that text. And then with introducing the text, this is really important to your students because in your introduction, this is a great time where you can point out the cover illustration. You can point out the title. You could also bring mention to the author. You can invite students to predict what that book's going to be about, and they can talk about how the book might connect to their own experiences or to other books that they've heard or that they've read before. Now, this is going to be key because any time you can introduce the book and have your students make these connections and really think about deep diving into the title or deep diving into the illustrations... This is going to help create their background knowledge. They're pulling from their background knowledge, and now they're creating new knowledge based on the discussions that they're hearing from their peers. Now, this is going to be key when it comes to strengthening their comprehension. And so I mentioned looking at the title. And so I want to explain a very, very simple strategy that you can do with your students that I love doing with reading passages when it comes around test-taking time. But this is mapping the title. And so to do this, you could write the title of this book on a piece of blank paper, if you have a document camera or you can write it on your whiteboard, and you basically want to just look at the words in the title because ultimately, when we get to the end of the book, I love having my students answer the simple question, why did the author title the book the way that the author did? And so it's really great to be able to see what can they pull out in the beginning and then we circle back and we can be able to figure out why the author really named it that title and it's really really powerful thinking work that your students are doing so that is mapping the title and i love doing that before any read aloud but there are certain read alouds and you'll know them because you're going to preview the text and know what the whole text is about that can really lend itself well to mapping the title you can also in this introduction time frame give a brief explanation of why you chose to read the book to them You can make a simple connection with the current time. For instance, you could say something like, well, this story is about a girl who goes on an unusual field trip. And I chose this book because you just came back from a field trip. Or you could say, this is a story about a special friendship between a lion and a mouse. And I've read this many, many times. And I wonder what you're going to think about it and what lesson we can be able to learn. So sometimes even adding a brief explanation allows students to understand there's a purpose that we're reading this, and it just helps to break that barrier before you start your reading. I am quickly interrupting this episode to share about a seasonal game changer. Have you ever wanted to teach about various holidays and seasonal events, but just can't figure out how to make it align with your standards or how to fit it into your schedule? Well, I have a solution that incorporates reading and writing skills. My seasonal literacy activities bundle includes over 20 special days and is great for whole group, small group, and literacy centers. Each set teaches the history of the holidays your students know and love or may not even be familiar with yet. It also includes Comprehension questions and six different genres of writing tasks. You can now teach the meaning of holidays and special events with ease and alignment using this resource. Your students will be reading, discussing, and writing with a purpose. To check out the seasonal bundle, head to theliteracydive.com/slash season. My best practice tip number three is to watch and know your audience. Now, when watching and knowing your audience, this is going to obviously connect to your students. Your students are your audience. You will want to watch your students' expressions and their body language, and not only just watching it, but you want to be sensitive to the signs of your students being bored or your students being really, really confused. You might need to change up your reading plan. You might need to change the book. Or you might need to do more preparation the next time you join for your read-aloud. This is big because many times we feel that to be effective, we have to read from cover to cover, but listen and learn from your audience. If your students are restless, they are not fully with you anyway, and it's better at that moment to just stop reading, and then you can think about continuing that book in smaller chunks moving forward. If your students are bored, you can use that as a time to partially read a book and then abandon it. Leave it for those who would like to explore it further, but abandon it for the whole group. And this is something that we do as readers all the time, and so this is definitely a practice that you can model for your students if they are just not with the book. If your students are confused, think about ways to front load the text better. Can you focus on a picture walk? Can you introduce more of that tricky vocabulary so that they're not so confused when they hear it in the book? Could you even introduce characters before they actually even meet those characters in the story? I can definitely tell you that from experience, watching your audience is going to be one of the best ways to make this read-aloud experience effective for your students. When watching and truly knowing your audience, I think there's one factor that a lot of teachers take for granted, and that's thinking that students are used to this read aloud time. Remember that for some students, listening to stories is a brand new experience, and they're not used to being read to. And because of that, they have to now develop that interest and that ability in what this practice truly means and what it holds for them. So if you recognize that a lot of your students do not have this experience with sitting down and being read to and talking about the text and actually going through this process the way that we see it in our minds, then you have to start small with these kids. Start with short, interesting stories or start with books that do have strong, strong pictures. I can remember a class that I had when I taught second grade, and I could tell that they were not used to being able to sit down and go through a proper read aloud. But one of the stories that my students loved hearing were from the Froggy Books series. And I would oftentimes close out the day with one of those books just reading for enjoyment. But because I knew that my students loved the pictures, they loved finding the page where Froggy's cheeks turned more red than green... I started bringing those into the read aloud to build these practices with the students to build their stamina and to show them what this time was about. So if you have books that your students love already, even if there isn't a really, really deep storyline with it, you can still bring those texts into your read aloud just for the mere purpose of letting this be a time where you are setting up what this read aloud time is for your kids. That is the purpose for this time right now. Now, in some cases, you might have students who are just a little bit overly active. I know that I've had those students. And so if they are a little bit overly active and that's the reason that they can't sit through your read aloud, you might want to think about giving them something that they can manipulate, whether it is a piece almost like an emery board, like a nail file where it just has the texture, or maybe you let them have a small amount of Play-Doh, not enough where they can build a structure, but enough where they can just roll it between their fingers. Or maybe you allow them to draw while they are listening, or you allow them all to draw while they're listening sometimes. But letting some of those students do something to be able to help them get through that time is going to be better than not offering them anything and having them be completely restless, completely bored, and even distracting other students during that time. You really, really, really want to be responsive to facial expressions and to the body language of your students, of your audience. So you can think about doing shorter, more engaging read-alouds in small groups with those students as well because ultimately it's going to help their stamina and it's going to give them those additional practices with the read-aloud structure that can then help them when you are reading in whole groups. There are so many factors to consider, so if you notice some of these little warning signals with your audience, make the necessary adjustments, tweaks, and changes to improve this experience and your time together. The last best practice tip that I'm going to share with you, and this is not the last for read aloud in entirety, but this is just gonna be the last that I'm gonna share on the podcast today, is going to be to allow for discussion and response. Now, we kind of touched on that in the first bullet where we're planning enough time for this discussion to happen, but this is going to be specifically for discussions and responses to reading. Now, you want to save time at the end of the story because this is where generally, depending on where you stop, whether it's midway through a book or whether it's all the way at the end, where your audience is going to truly be able to react, right? And so it's a great practice to include questions at the beginning of the text, and during your read aloud, but you will really want to think about asking some open-ended questions that don't have a right or wrong answer and they can't be answered with a yes or no reply at the end of your reading for that day. Now, if you are just starting out a very, very general scale of questioning, you can ask your students what they liked or disliked about the book. You know that I love going deeper, so have them share why. But once we are past that initial general questioning, you are going to want to ask deeper questions like what he or she thought about the characters in the book, or what they thought about how that problem was being solved, and maybe even how the ending could be changed. You can also ask questions to find out if the book made your students think of any personal experiences or other books that they've heard or read. You would want to make those connections. If you aren't sure where to start when it comes to questioning, I'm going to leave the links to two of my favorite questioning resources in the show notes, and these include open-ended comprehension questions connected to genre, and the other is higher-order thinking questions because we never want to just stay surface level with our students. You will be able to check for those links in the show notes, but I want to encourage you to discuss about the story you will want to ask children about what's going on, and you're going to want to encourage your students to predict what might come next. Be sure, though, to not turn this discussion into a quiz. And when I think about quizzes, I think about rapid fire, right? You have question one is, who's the main character? Question two, what's the setting? Question three, what's the problem? You just kind of rapid fire. But for this type of questioning, you really do want this discussion to be more natural. So you really want to listen to the responses and see if you can prompt students to go even deeper from that. Now, I love examples. So let's say that you ask about if your students would be friends with, let's say, the villain character. And the villain character is just the character who might not be the nicest. They might have done something a little bit mean. And your students are going to say, no, no way. Then you're going to follow up and ask them, well, why not? And they're going to share using text evidence, all of these different types of examples and scenarios that this character did. And that's why they would not want to be friends with this character. So they explain it. But then you can follow up with, well, is there anything that that character could do to gain your trust and to change your mind? So now you're having them switch to think about, well, what could they have done or what could their traits be that might make them be a better friend? Then you could go even deeper by thinking about, well, have you had any experiences with someone like this villain character and what did that person do? And you could also just ask them, well, did that person change their behavior and what effect did that have on the other people involved or on the class? Now, this can be done instead of bouncing to the next question or to something unrelated, like after asking that initial question, you're going to go and say, okay, what's the setting of the story? Who can answer that? You are going to really want to think quality over quantity when it comes to questioning and when it comes to discussion. I hope your wheels are turning. Read-alouds are so much fun. This is such an enjoyable time and part of the day, and it can be so effective, and it can be so amazing and successfully executed if you really, really think through your planning and your method of execution. Now, I hope right now that you are feeling inspired, but also you are dissecting what your current practice is, and I want you to think about Which of these four elements could you go a little bit deeper in to making sure that this read-aloud time is doing the maximum that it can be able to do for this block of time with your students? So to recap the four best practice tips, it is going to be making sure that you are planning enough time for this read-aloud to occur. Truly previewing the text before you read it to your students, and then also thinking about the ways that you can introduce that text to your students to make it easier for them to get through that text. You are going to want to watch and know, study, and learn your audience and make adjustments as needed. And you're going to want to allow for really, really deep discussion and response to reading to happen at the end of your text. Now, you may be ready to be more intentional with your read aloud, but you might be wondering, what text should I be using? Where do I find these texts? What what do I do? How do I know if the text is good for a read aloud? So what I want you to do is I want you to join me in the next episode when I am going to be diving into how to choose effective read alouds. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram. At the Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.